Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I was in Houston. It was a rainy and cold time here in the state of Texas, but it was all sunshine for the Washington Commanders. Their most dominant win in some time, uh, really controlling the Houston Texans 23-10. to 10. You know, you all saw the game. Washington had this thing in hand. Uh, early Kendall Fuller's pick six, two plays into Houston's first offensive drive, and things really never looked back from there. The defense was incredibly dominant, and the offense did enough uh, with Taylor Heineke, who not only, of course, started this game, but he will be the starting quarterback going forward. Whether going forward means one week, two weeks, or the remaining games, we'll see. But right now, it is going to be Taylor Heineke whenever Carson Wentz returns, according to Ron Rivera. I'm going to get into all of that in a moment here. In addition to that, this is going to be a little bit of a, a brief uh, episode in terms of this game recap, since it's a solo pod. But what I will add is this. Um, I spoke with the Athletics NFL Draft Insider, Dane Brugler, uh ahead of the Houston game, and we went through the NFL draft uh, for, for 2023 to get Dane's sense of where we were at. I thought this would be a good time to bring Dane in since they were playing Houston, the team that's going to have, uh, that currently has the uh, inside track to get the number one overall pick. And of course, obviously, we know whatever's happening here, Washington's going to have some needs in the offseason. They include offensive line. They include cornerback and, yes, likely quarterback. So Dane and I went through a lot of stuff there. We also talked about uh, some of the Washington players uh, from last draft as well. So we'll get to all that here in a moment on the podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. In addition, I'll have a new article up. It's already up now, of course. On The Athletic, um, a lot of focus on the dynamic duo of John Allen and Deron Payne, whether this is their last year together or not, depending on Payne's contract situation. This is something uh, that they are putting together quite the season so far and really were dominant today. Uh, all right, let's get to a few things here first. Let's start with that with that defense. Like, <clears throat> the thing about the quarterback situation is – you know, the, the Sunday night game was, was was Mahomes against Justin Herbert. I didn't say Chiefs and Chargers. I said Mahomes and Herbert because those quarterbacks are so outsized that that's kind of the matchup. Everybody else is important. I'm not dis- dismissing them. But it but when you have those quarterbacks, you always have a chance to win. That's why teams are desperately looking for these players. Washington does not have that, which is no disrespect to Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz. That's just the reality. But again, I'm giving Heineke plenty of credit. They're now four and one in his five starts. But what, is, what Washington is showing more and more is that they can win because their defense is playing pretty lights out right now. I know Ron Rivera and some of the players weren't particularly thrilled with the second half because things were, uh, I guess you could say, a little bit of a letdown. Houston scored their 10 points after halftime. But ultimately, Washington was just incredibly dominant. And and I get it. Houston's terrible. They're 1-8-1, and one, right? Miserable. Their offensive line's overmatched. Their quarterback, uh, Davis Mills, second-year player, you know, he's the guy they're trying to see if he can do the thing for them long-term. It's not looking so great right now. So this was a game Washington should win, and they did. But the fact that they came out and were as dominant as they were said that they weren't resting on the laurels that came with beating the Eagles last week uh, on Monday night, giving Philadelphia its first loss of the year. The Eagles barely got <laughs> a win today against uh, Jeff Saturday and the Colts. But um, I think Washington's intensity was really impressive. The, the, you know, Their own offense started off first drive. Heineke easily could have thrown an interception. It was a, a ball right there for the for a safety. Jalen Petrie, he dropped it, and Heineke was flushed out of the pocket and hit, throwing the ball on third down. But the second play, as I said, Kendall Fuller picks it off, runs it in for a touchdown. Kendall Fuller's instincts have just been so impressive 
all this year. I asked him about it after the game. It felt like he was due for a play like that. He had never scored a touchdown in the NFL. And um, he uh, he said that, you know, it's a lot of homework um, that he puts into this. And there's no doubt that that's the case. But he just seems to have such good instincts about, you know, where the ball is, um, what the play is coming before. You know, there's other guys who are faster than him. And there's, you know, some argument perhaps that eventually his best position is to move to free safety. But like I said, his, his anticipation was really good. And it showed on that play, uh, Brandon cooks, Houston's top receiver runs an out route. Davis mills in the shotgun took a really short drop back, um, probably in anticipation of, of the pass rush and fuller immediately jumps the route, gets inside position on cooks, takes it back to the house. And John Allen pointed out that, not only did that play give them the spark in an early lead, but it probably put Davis Mills on the defensive from that point on, leading him to hold the ball a little bit longer. And that's where the pass rushers take over. Five sacks for Washington, two by Allen, two by Montez Sweat, one by Payne. Um, Allen's first sack was hilarious. He just completely blows up uh, Houston rookie left guard Kenyon Green. Green was the first pick, or he was the pick right before Jahan Dotson. And Allen just completely bull rushes him, uh, just plows him back into the backfield right into Mills. Allen said post game that this was a, he, it was the hump move that he learned from former D line coach Jim Tomasula, and that you know in fairness to Green, he's probably never had a deal with somebody like with a move like that or someone like him, or at least not very often. Um, and he took Allen took advantage of it. Uh, Allen Payne and Sweat really were just all over the place today and those two interior defensive linemen you know we we always talk about the the edge rushers and those and the importance of them and there's no argument that that's the case but that said um allen and Payne are really kind of perfectly suited for where the nfl is trending right now and that is more interior rush uh, or sorry, sorry more of a more of a run game around the league and these guys are just completely stifling the run. Damian Pierce, Houston's uh, standout rookie, who's one of the league leaders in the league in rushing, had, uh, I believe, that 10 yards on eight carries. He went nowhere. Without him, Houston's offense really had no chance. And, of course, we know the deal, right? Obviously, as Deron Payne's entering the last year of his contract, what's going to happen? Uh, we'll, we'll get into that more, of course, down the line. But right now, that is quite the dynamic that Washington has. And, it's one thing if those guys are playing well, but what's key is the back seven is playing much, much better. Derek Forrest, another interception today off of Benjamin St. Juice uh, tip pass. Uh, I mentioned Fuller already. Uh, you know, the, the, the group is just playing better. I, I, and it's, you know, all you can say, they're not just playing better, but they're playing at a level where, you know, the, <laughs> it's getting pretty interesting about what can this group do. And here's the thing, right? I, I don't want to get over over my skis or anything. Um, Washington, as it stands today, would still be... We'll see what happens. The 49ers play tomorrow night. Um, If the 49ers lose, then Washington is, uh, I believe... Whatever, it doesn't really matter. Washington's basically right there with San Francisco for the final playoff berth. But you look at the teams who would be projected into the playoffs right now. Quarterbacks include Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll just say the 49ers were to make it somehow... Daniel Jones, who, of course, the Giants lost today to Detroit. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins. I'm not saying those guys aren't having good years, although Cousins got smashed today by the Cowboys. But, you know, they're they're not proven champs or anything. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are way out of it. Obviously, Tom Brady is still floating around, but the, the Buccaneers are hardly looking dominant this year. So, just saying, if this defense can keep this going, and, of course, Chase Young could be back. Soon, he'll be activated this week. Whether he plays against Atlanta is to be determined. Uh, anyway, the defense is playing a lot better. You know, we'll see what happens when they go up against some better quarterbacks. And, you know, they did give up, you know, yards and scores in the fourth quarter to Minnesota and so on. So really impressive performance from the defense, just getting better and better. Uh, as for the offense, you know, this was a game where, you know, Taylor Heineke's, um, strength is being a savant in Scott Turner's offense. He has a feel for where the ball needs to go. And he is, 
he is humble enough to put the ball in his playmaker's hand rather than trying to make the big play himself. We've talked about this before. He did that today. Uh, Curtis Samuel scored the offense's only touchdown on an end or on a, on a jet sweep, I should say. But Curtis Samuel made some other dynamic plays as well. Logan Thomas, easily his biggest impact in some time with uh, five receptions. Terry McLaurin did Terry McLaurin things. Uh, you know, the run game was sort of what it's been effective enough between Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. So, uh, and, and Gibson should have, in theory, had a touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, sorry to his fantasy football owners, uh, but he pulled up uh, right shy of the goal line to help run out the clock. Joey Sly also continued to do a, a great job uh, for kick, kicking field goals. He booted uh, three today. So, so these guys are really playing at a pretty good level. And like I said, what impressed me most today was this was easily a game that they could have you know, come up flat, feeling pretty good about themselves um, against uh, after beating the Eagles, and they didn't do that. They came out, they came out hot, and they came out with confidence and put it to Houston um, pretty quickly. So kudos to uh, to, to the Commanders on all of that. Um, some really great quotes out of this game, particularly from John Allen. Uh, you can find those in my article on the Athletic. I thought John Allen had some really good stuff today about where this defense is, sort of the notion of complimentary football, and also just even for him, how he's learned to have fun coming out of Nick Saban uh, school uh, at Alabama. He said that basically, you know, when, when when there it's national championship or bust, it became hard for him to accept losing, and not that he does at all, but that he's now beginning to have appreciate sort of the journey and the people around him, and including, including Deron Payne, and, and I think that is really showing in his play and and that and the team really feeds off of him so um you check all that out over on the athletic I, I don't we didn't really even ask ron rivera about injuries i know benjamin st Just, who left the game late uh with an ankle injury he told us afterwards that he probably was being overly dramatic with the situation so it doesn't seem like it's a big deal there uh james smith williams at one point got nicked up but he told me in the locker room that he was fine we'll obviously have to see where things are at with Cole Holcomb um, <clears throat> and some others. Uh, since we spoke last, Washington did put J.D. McKissick on IR. Um, you know, we didn't ask Rivera about this post game. I assume we will tomorrow. Uh, the fact that it's two years in a row for McKissick landing on IR with a neck injury, you know, is definitely concerning considering the neck, so uh, I, I don't want to speculate because I don't know, but you know, obviously there's got to be some concern there about his future. You would think uh, logically, uh, you know, again, Chase Young not activated, totally not a surprise. We talked about this earlier in the week. Um, you know, he still has yet to go full speed as needed, according to um, Ron Rivera, and Jack Del Rio. Uh, again, he they have until Wednesday essentially to activate him. They definitely will. When he will play, we'll have to see. If if we start hearing that he's able to do you know full practices this week without issue, then he should be uh, good to go. But that's not been the case quite yet. Uh, so we'll see uh, where that goes. Um, lastly, on the quarterbacks, Rivera said he did speak with Carson Wentz about the situation. Uh, he said that they had a good conversation. It's important to note this because Rivera told us the other day that he wouldn't really declare anybody a starter until he had a chance to really think about it and then talk to both players. We asked both Rivera and Heineke when those two had a conversation and both declined to say, which is interesting, would lead me to think that the answer was earlier in the week before Rivera told us that he wasn't going to say anything, but Rivera was definitely hinting at it. He was hinting that he was going to have to take the, obviously the consideration of the locker room and all that. And, you know, like I said, today when asked simply why Heineke, he just said, quote, winning end quote. Um, obviously it's wild that cart that, that this situation um, having looked high and low for a quarterback, even with Heineke on the roster, they land with Wentz. Obviously, it was a polarizing decision, and, you know, there's it, it, nothing that says Wentz 
can't come back and play for this team. He could be back as the backup as soon as next week. But the idea of Carson Wentz being the long-term answer is probably realistically out at this point, uh, unless he has some crazy finish that we don't see forthcoming. Um, the good news is, from Washington's perspective, with Heineke poised to start the next game, that means Wentz will have missed at least six games. And with that, he, you know, th- there's no exact number of snaps that, that, that equates to 70% of all their snaps. But realistically, if you do the math, if you miss six games, you're probably going to go under 70% snaps on the year. And as we know, that would mean Washington would only give up a third round pick to the Colts next year instead of a second. Still a pick, but at least not a second. They would also be getting a third round back as a compensatory pick uh, for Brandon Scherf signing with Jacksonville. So to a degree, it nets out, but, uh, you know, that's a whole other story. Um, you know, there is another story with that, and that is to say that probably the two biggest, you know, offseason transactions under Ron Rivera, trading for Carson Wentz and signing William Jackson, have both looked, both look bad. Obviously, Jackson is over, and that's a complete bust. Wentz is looking likely like one as well, um, and that means that, you know, if, if assuming that there's no coaching changes, which at this point you wouldn't think there would be, um, then this coaching staff is going to have to figure out what to do at quarterback next year. Look, at this point, I'm not going to rule out anything, including it being Heineke, uh, who just continues to uh, make plays. John Allen was asked about Heineke being the starter going forward, and he flat out said, sometimes I don't know how it's getting done. It doesn't even make sense, but he is, and guys clearly seem to be playing for it, uh, playing better, you know, playing for him and all that. So kudos to, uh, to, to Heineke for just continuing to will his way uh, and help this team get victories. And we'll deal with the off season soon enough. Um, but we'll see again, uh, two huge moves. This coaching staff and front office have come up short and yet three years in a row, or, you know, there's been some sort of a rally mid to late season. You know, the first year they took it all the way to the NFC East title bad year, but they finished strong. Last year, things fell apart late. This year, six and five. This is the this is the first this is the first time they've been over 500 this late into the season since 2018, when the Alex Smith injury year in the in Washington was uh, six and three, then dropped two to go to six and five. First time they've been 500 or better or fi- over 500 since then. So pretty wild on that front. All right. Uh, We'll have more to discuss later in this week. Obviously, it's a Thanksgiving week, so things will be a little hectic, but we're going to get to as much as we can. And right now, what we're going to get to is my conversation with the Athletics' Dane Brugler. Uh, We're looking ahead to the draft. A lot of talks about quarterbacks. If you watch college football this weekend, USC's Caleb Williams, who is a D.C. kid, uh, absolutely looked dynamic playing for USC, Bryce Young, for Alabama, um, but we got into a lot more topics as well. So here we go, my conversation with Dane Brugler from The Athletic here on the Standard Groom Only Podcast. All right, uh, as promised, joining us here on the podcast, the guy, you know, I've been wanting to talk about the NFL draft, but, you know, there's been busy times here with the commander, seeing as how they're playing the team with the worst record in the league and that number one picks in play. Thought it'd be a great time to bring in our guy, Dane Brugler, the Athletics uh, Senior NFL Draft Analyst. Uh, for the first time in a while, Dane, I appreciate the time, man. How uh, how are you in the middle of your grind? How's it going? Hey, Ben, I appreciate having me on. No, it's, uh, you know, we're finally reaching that point in the season where I, I think we're, some teams are like, okay, you know what, season's over. Let, let's flip the page. Who are these pl- prospects? Who should I be looking at? You know, my, my team's going to be picking top five. And so uh, it's an interesting part of the calendar for for a lot of fans. And that makes it fun for me because uh, there's there's more and more of an audience growing for the 2023 draft. And so I know, uh, you know, the, your audience isn't necessarily uh, focused primarily on the draft just yet. But, you know, it's never never too early to take an early look. Well, well I think Washington's the epitome of where a lot of teams are in the league. I mean, if I just look at Washington in a tunnel, right, and just a tunnel vision on them, I still have questions. Their defense is playing well, but, you know, the quarterback situation. But then you look at the rest of the league, half the league seems miserable. 
th- th- mm. this year. You just even like if you look at the quarterbacks in the NF the projected to be in the NFC playoffs. I mean, you know, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I, I don't feel like a lot of teams feel great about where they're at, and I think that's why a lot of people probably are thinking about the draft one way um, or, or, or or the other. Um, it, it is it is weird. Um, I, let me just ask you this broadly, I guess though. Does this draft class still got a time to go? What's your vibe on this class? How excited are you relative to other years? Uh, well, I mean, drafts always get me excited, so uh, that's not saying too much. But you know, I, I think that with this year, uh, you know, it, like every year, it's position by position. You know, certain positions are a little more stacked than others. Um, you know, this year I really love the defensive line, um, you know, edge rusher, uh, especially, but also defensive tackle last year, defensive tackle was arguably not even arguably, it was pretty clearly the, the worst position. Um, I, I thought uh, out of all the positions in terms of overall depth, uh, this year, it should be a much stronger, um, at least middle of the pack, uh, I, I think among, among position groups, um, the quarterbacks would be better than last year. Um, now that's not saying a whole lot, considering we only had one quarterback drafted in the first 73 picks, uh, in, in the 2021 class or 2022 class, but, uh, you know, still, it'll be an interesting quarterback class, plenty of guys to debate and, uh, argue about the next six months. Um, it's going to be a really good running back class. So that it's, uh, you know, offense, uh, is going to be fun to talk about. So it's, I think like any draft position by position and, uh, you know, there, there's reasons to be excited, I think, uh, no matter what position you're talking about. Um, you know, obviously you pay attention to the NFL in addition to college. So I'm sure you've tracked some of your guys that you liked or didn't like or doing, or just the players in general, you mentioned defensive tackle. Um, you know, typically we're not going to, we're not, we're not going to think of that for Washington in the, in the draft mm-hmm. when you have John Allen, Deron Payne, but I do want to bring this up because they draft Fedarian Mathis in the second round. And I think he was like your sixth or seventh defensive tackle prospect. The name immediately after him in your draft guide was John Ridgeway, a guy that they actually picked up off waivers this year when Dallas kind of needed a roster spot and I don't know, decided to move on from him. He's done really well. And it seemed, but, but Ridgeway fell like to the fifth round. I want to say, so I wasn't expecting, mm-hmm. you know, the world's probably not thinking I should start this with a John Ridgeway question. But what did you like about John Ridgeway? Because he's looked like he's done pretty nicely so far. Yeah, Ridgeway's a good player. And I think the Cowboys foolishly tried to, uh, you know, sneak him through, get him on the practice squad. And then just, uh, you know, that was not going to happen. Um, you know, with Ridgeway, you know, he's he was a little bit of an older player. He was a, a you know, a trans FCS transfer went to Arkansas for his final year and you know every single tape you watched he he showed out you know he at least made his presence known and that's not really that easy to do for a nose tackle uh with the way he was used but uh he's a guy that has power uh you know he's he's you know as a pass rusher he's not going to give you a whole lot that's not really what he does but uh, you know he's a, high, a big time high school wrestler, and that shows on the football field. And so, uh, if you want a guy that can reset the line of scrimmage, uh, do a really nice job versus the run, be a really strong rotational player, uh, you know, especially in the middle when you know you need to take up a lot of space, double teams, uh, two gap, things like that. Ridgeway can be that guy. So yeah, I, I had Ridgeway graded as I think an early fourth round pick um fell around later than i thought he'd go and i was shocked the cowboys let him uh let him go so early Uh, i know he didn't have a great preseason but still you thought enough of him to to draft him uh you know that that was a bit of a surprise but for for washington is their game yeah no i think i said i think he's been interesting Uh, we'll see what happens obviously deron payne's free agency looming is a huge question they drafted Federian mathis i think for that reason but mathis gets hurt out for the year week one and we'll see if these guys um, the, you know, if pain goes, if, the, if they're viewed as the answer, and if not, you mentioned this is a good defensive tackle class. Um, right, let's get to the sexier stuff. Uh, quarterbacks. <laughs> Before we get to the prospects, the here's my question, I guess, for you. This feels like we are watching as bad of an NFL product overall, just the teams, as I can recall in some time. I mean, some of these games are just horrendous, and the matchups going into it are really not exciting i mean tom brady made that sort of comment early in the year and i think he was really prophetic and so much of that seems to be whether it's fair or not the perception of the quarterbacks that you know we we obviously know that a lot of the older guys 
have started to take a step back, but some of the younger guys are still not developing yet and you don't feel completely confident in them. From from your perspective as a guy who is studying the draft and sees how, where the college game is and how that impacts these guys going to the pros, what, what's your sense of where we are with the quarterback situation in the NFL and why it does feel like we're in a bit of a dip right now? Yeah, and I, I don't think there's a you know, a clear uh, answer here where it's like, well, clearly it's this, this is the reason, you know, it's, it's one of those things where uh, there's a reason quarterbacks are the, by far the toughest position to evaluate because there's so many variables. There's so many uh, things that go into playing the position at a high level. And I don't, I don't think that we talk enough about how much quarterback is a dependent position you know, mo- most people think of it as, well, if, you know, if you're a good enough quarterback, you know, just put everyone, everyone on your back and, you know, you're going to make things work. You're going to win football games. But I, I mean, you know, we're, we're seeing it in, uh, you know, Green Bay and Tampa and, you know, with a lot of these places, uh, you know, now granted, you know, like Aaron Rodgers has not been playing at an MVP level like we've seen in the last few years. Uh, you know, Tom Brady's at times playing like a 45-year-old. Uh, even Josh Allen, you know, uh, against uh, you know Minnesota last week, you know, there were a couple of those turnovers that you just can't make. But it's still, it's a, it's a dependent position. If the offensive line's not doing their job, but the wide receivers aren't doing their job, if the play callers aren't doing their job, then the quarterback's not going to be able to do his job. And so I, I think it's really a mesh of everything where, you know, play callers, I, I think never before or never as much, uh, have play callers been more willing to try new things, uh, try to in, in, in implement different uh, wrinkles, whether that's, uh, you know, could be as simple as uh, being creative with formations or personnel packages or motions or, you know, just they're, they're trying to find whatever ways they can to exploit matchups, to find that vulnerable spot of the defense. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it just doesn't work. But, uh, you know, it comes down to can you put the quarterback in the best position to succeed? And that doesn't always happen. So uh, I, I think it's uh, something where we need to talk about more that quarterbacks need help. It's it, it's a very dependent position. Uh, it depends on what everything else is going on around them. And, you know, it's not as simple as, well, the quarterback needs to just, you know, put everybody on their back and, and make it happen. So it, it's it's really it, – we, we could talk for – hours on on the state of the quarterback position and you know certain players that are trending up trending down what does that mean you know like should the Jets give up on a Zach Wilson uh you know is Justin Fields going to keep you know it's just there's so many and it seems to change week to week I'm not really a week to week guy where a lot of people are uh and that's that's fine you know a lot of fans live week to week but in you know at least from my mindset which is more process oriented it's you know I'm not necessarily looking at it week to week and so it's it's a really fascinating subject to to really peel apart and and try to dissect and um, like I said we could talk for hours about it we we can and by the way I said this at the in the intro but you can uh, hear Dane talk for hours about these things on the athletics uh, football podcast he's on there all the time uh, breaking down what's going on with with the prospects um here's my here's my um basic theory this is not x's and o's this is not training this is perception at some point during the over the years i don't know when it was we didn't just label a quarterback the starting quarterback we labeled the younger guys you're drafting as the franchise quarterback as the player that you were looking to get to be this franchise quarterback and i think that term has screwed things up because that term infers that that guy will be able by his own by his own will, talent, whatever, turn everything around. And the reality is that at any given point, there's only a few hum- humans on the planet who have that ability. Your Mahomes is, your, your Josh Allen's, your Burroughs, Rogers when he was in his prime, et cetera. But a lot of guys, even going back to when I was, you know, a young man, like your, you know, you know, Jim McMahon was the quarterback of the 85 Bears, arguably the best team ever. He's he was not a, you know, I'm gonna take carry this team on my back kind of a guy. But Mm-hmm. because they had Walter Payton, the perception wasn't necessarily that. You can go through the years of this. And I feel like that term is where things have gotten screwed up. And I'm kind of wondering if maybe teams are kind of moving past that now with more emphasis on the running game. But what do you think about that? Just that the the notion of a franchise quarterback 
has really just it's one of the many pieces it's a very maybe the most important one probably is the most important one but it's still one of many you need to win not unless you have a legitimate franchise guy yeah and honestly i'm not even sure what it means i mean i it gets put out there so much and i i'm not even sure there's a true exact definition of what a franchise quarterback is what it should be it's it, it, it it's something that, uh, it, you know, it's you hear it way too much uh, come draft time. Uh, and, you know, I I, 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 I I do not use that term because that's I'm not even sure what it means. Or same thing with, uh, you know, it's a generational player or generational prospect. Like, I, I don't I don't know what that means. It means like he's the, the best in a generation. I mean, what's a generation? 40, 50 years. I mean, what what's that? What, what are we talking about here? Like, I, I think that it just needs to come down. When you look at these players and these prospects, can they help us win games? And that, that it's as simple as that. And, you know, you look at a, a guy like uh, okay, when Trevor Lawrence is coming out, and instead of labeling him as a franchise quarterback, can he help us win football games? Can he help us uh, win the division? Can he help us get to the playoffs? If he can, all right, get him on my team, whatever it takes. Because that's, that's all I'm looking for at the end of the day. If your goal in the draft is to find Patrick Mahomes or Andrew Luck, you're going to be really disappointed. You're going to be chasing your tail for, for a long time because those guys just don't come around. And, and, hey, maybe you luck into one. Great. But the goal should be find a quarterback that you trust, that you think can lead your team to double-digit wins, compete for the division, or win the division, and then compete for the playoffs. If you can get that, if you can find that quarterback – then you're in good shape. And, you know, I think that, you know, you mentioned at the top about um, some of the mediocre quarterback play uh, as why some teams are looking towards the draft. I also think it's why some teams are looking towards the playoffs because they look around the, the league, at, you know, especially the NFC, they're looking around the league and saying, you know what, uh, the way Rodgers is playing, the way Brady's playing, I mean, Stafford and the Rams, forget about them. I mean, Garoppolo, I mean, like, it's like, who are we scared of? So, you know, like if you're, yeah, there's a lot of teams saying, hey, we're, we're in this. Like, we have a chance because, uh, you know, not a, lot, not a lot of these quarterbacks scare us. So it's it, it, the, the state of the quarterback position is it's always fun to talk about because it's always evolving. It's always changing. And with these prospects in this class uh, coming up here in April, it, it's going to be, you know, it's in a very imperfect, it's better group than last year, but it's still an imperfect group of quarterbacks. And, and that's going to make it really fun to uh, debate these guys the next six months. Absolutely. And, you know, I think like Daniel Jones to me seems like a good poster child for this discussion in that if you view him as a top five or six pick, he obviously is underwhelming. If you view him as a guy that can mm-hmm. the giant to figure out ways to use his abilities to help them win games or obviously having a st- stunning year so far, He's not so bad. I mean, relatively speaking, he's he's they find ways to make him his use his athleticism. He's helping them win games because if you just don't view him as this guy who was a top pick, then you're fine. Uh, you know, at, at least it looks a little bit better um, on uh, on some level. Um, all right, enough of that. Let's get to the fun stuff. You're studying all these prospects. Let's stay with the quarterbacks before we get to the guys at the top. You can draft quarterbacks in anywhere in the draft, and people can get excited. Obviously, Washington drafted Sam Howell last year in the fifth round, and we'll see, um, you know, what what he could potentially do for these guys if they look at him as a longer term prospect. But for you, who's a day three prospect, rounds four through seven, that you think uh, somebody is interesting uh, that everybody should kind of keep an eye on? Yeah, and we're we're this is going to be a really I think deep group of day three quarterbacks, guys that there's something about them that you just you, you like, and you say, you know what, we could work with this. This is someone we'd love to have in our quarterback room. So I think we're going to have, uh, you know, more than usual quarterbacks drafted on day three. Uh, a guy I really like, uh, Clayton Toon from Houston. Um, I love his toughness. He's a good-sized player. Uh, he's six, two and a half, 215 pounds. Um, you know, he's, you know, eyes are consistently in the right, right place. Um, you know, really nice placement on his throws. Uh, the toughness is off the charts. And that's something that really uh, the, the execution, the toughness, um, the his ability to perform regardless of the moment, late in games, money downs, whatever. I mean, it, he, he does a really nice job. Um, so Clayton Toon's a guy that uh, I, I've got very high on my radar. Uh, and then, you know, for looking for a sleeper or a guy that's, you know, kind of down, uh, you know, in the later rounds a little bit, Tyson Bajan 
from Shepard, uh, only about an hour from DC. Shepherd, uh, wow. you know, he's a guy division. Yeah. West Virginia, Eastern West Virginia. Uh, he's a division two. Uh, he just set the division two touchdowns record. Nobody in the, and, and he's about five shy from, uh, the all divisions record of passing touchdowns. So really productive player. Um, you know, he's, he's got a, he's got a great backstory. I've got a story coming out on him, uh, here pretty soon. Um, but you know, he's, uh, he's got some, some tools to work with. He's a, he's a good sized player. He's uh, over six, three, about 220 pounds. Um, not a, an amazing athlete, but good enough. He, he's mobile. He's got good feet, good footwork. Uh, you know, he can layer throws, um, you know, he can make all the throws, Arm talent is NFL quality. So uh, Tyson Bajan is another one of those late round guys to uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, I hear the people yelling at me if I don't ask you this. Uh, you obviously studied Sam Howell a ton coming out. You know, he was at one point viewed as a potential first round pick, slips to the fifth. He showed some good things in practice and camp. I know you haven't had a chance necessarily to watch all that stuff for the mm-hmm. preseason, but and, and he has not played in the in the regular season yet but what was your thoughts on on how and he is he somebody if washington you know moves on from carson wentz and and so on that they should even really consider for a potential starter or do you just kind of see his ceiling as like a backup yeah i I think that i projected him as a potential low-end starter um that that that's how i saw sam howell a guy that could come in and be a baker mayfield um, you know, I, I know that comparison was used, uh, way too much, uh, during the process, but it's because it fit, yeah. it really made a lot of sense, you know, with just the way they're built, the way they operate. Um, now, you know, the things that I didn't really love about him, he's, he's, I didn't see a lot of anticipation, uh, with, with him as a thrower He's more of a see it thrower. Uh, and I, you know, the offense that he played in at North Carolina, uh, played into that. Um, but you know, he's a guy that, uh, has NFL quality arm. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy by all accounts behind the scenes is a hard worker, someone that, you know, you're You're not gonna have to worry about not, not putting the work in, not put the time in, not paying attention during meetings, things like that. So, um, you know, he's a guy that the, and nobody will have more information than, than Washington, obviously in that coaching staff about whether or not he is a legitimate contender to compete for, for starting reps, but um, you know, there, there's a lot of things to like about him as being kind of a guy that can grow into, you know, a, a Tyler Heineke, a Heineke type of role where, you know, if you need him to come in and win games, he could probably do that for you. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, that the Heineke conversations all over the place right now, but uh, you know, and what, what his future is, but you know, it's a uh, surprise. He fell to the fifth round. Uh, definitely surprised about that. But I do think that talking to, teams uh over the summer and just kind of trying to figure out you know why you know these quarterbacks fall to the third round fourth round fifth round and they all kind of said the same thing is you know teams are more willing than ever to be patient uh and say you know what it's we're gonna wait till next year you know because we like the 2023 class or uh you know we'll, we'll wait another round if he's if he's around in the fifth round okay you know like that's we, we feel good about the value there and so uh more than ever teams are willing to be patient on quarterbacks which is an interesting thing to watch uh because usually it's the other way around where teams are uh impatient when it comes to quarterbacks and they overdraft them and uh reach on, on quarterbacks earlier than they should go and so just an interesting part uh, and, and you know we'll have to see just is that a trend moving forward um you know, based off of, uh, you know, we only have one year of that. So what will it look like in April? Will teams still show patience and restraint when it comes to these quarterbacks or will they revert to eh, screw it? Let's see what happens and let's, let's just get them on our team. And so it, it'll be interesting as we, uh, as we move forward. Yeah. It's, I, 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 uh, it's so interesting to hear you talk about this. So the different hundred different questions come to mind, including you mentioned Heineke and the idea of not that te- I hear more and more people mentioning him as like a comparison point, not so much in terms of his his level of play, but the style of play and how if you can't find a pocket guy, which is harder to find, you know, look for these mobile guys. And Heineke is sort of becoming a one of one of the players that people point to. But I won't derail us on on, on that any further. Day two. Um, how many guys at this point from so round one, two and three? But I mean, obviously, day two is two and three. How many quarterbacks at this point? in your process, do you think are kind of fit in that range? Because day two obviously is not the same as the first round pick, but you know, you're making a pretty significant investment if you still draft the guy that high. Yeah. And I think it's, 
this we're still at a point uh, of the draft where we're not sure which underclassmen are going to come out. Um, and, and that's a big part of this, um, obviously. Um, and so when we're talking about potential day two players like Tanner McKee out of Stanford, uh, does he come out? Does he go back? He's only a redshirt sophomore, but, um, you know, he had a, he served a religious mission. So he's more like a fifth year senior in terms of age. Um, so what, what does Tanner McKee do? Um, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee has put himself in that day two conversation with what he's done this season. Um, but the, to me, if he declares he's the, this is the biggest wild card of the draft. That's Anthony Richardson over at Florida. Um, and you know, can he go in the first round? It's possible. He's got the talent, but I, you know, I think he'll be talked about as more of a day two player. Uh, he's just, he's a freak show, uh, playing quarterback. I mean, he, he looks like, uh, he's got the build of a linebacker, uh, but he has legit four three four four speed. Uh, he's a big physical runner. He's got a very smooth, natural stroke as a passer. Um, but you know, I, I he's just so raw as a player. Um, you know, there are sometimes you watch him and you you think you t- like if you take his five best plays from the season, he, you're taking him number one overall. But it, when you watch all of his games and you, you study snap to snap, you're like, okay, yeah, this guy is just wildly inconsistent. He's scattershot with his accuracy. He's got a very inconsistent feel for his fastball. Uh, He could, he could throw the ball through a brick wall, but you know, on a screen, you don't necessarily need to do that. And that's, that's why, you know, uh, that's an incomplete pass and not a a seven yard gain. So, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot to like about him and, it, and it's all, it, it's, it's all about projection with Anthony Richardson. He's a big twitchy athlete, big time arm drive pro or drive, um, throws are no problem for him. Um, and, and then he has options because he is such a, a, a big, powerful athlete. So he can make a move or he can just run right through guys. Uh, he's that, that type of body. Uh, but he, again, this is another young player, just a, a, a third year sophomore. Um, so what will he do at the end of the year? I, there's no no question he should go back just be in if, in terms of wanting to get better. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, oh, you go to the NFL now and, you know, while you, you're healthy and you can sit and learn. And guys don't sit and learn. Guys learn by getting reps. That That's how they learn. And, you know, Anthony Richardson, uh, you know, he's going to learn, he's going to get better by getting more and more reps, having another season under his belt. And then, you know, looking towards next year's draft, I think he'll be in a much better position to uh, not only play quicker in the NFL, but play longer because the NFL is not a developmental league. You know, they're not going to wait on you. And so it's just one of those things that, uh, and especially with NIL now where, you know, and he's a, he's a Gainesville kid. He'll have no problem, um, you know, making some money. And, you know, if that, if, if it's more of a financial thing. So, you know, I think the NIL factor is, is something that, um, will play into a few of these underclassmen decisions coming up, but, you know, for Anthony Richardson, maybe he thinks he's, he's done all he can at Florida and it's time to move on. I, you know, it's just, who knows, uh, what, what really goes into their thought process and everything. But I don't think there's any question. He should go back to school, get better, because he is so immensely talented. And I want to see him. But quarterback is such a detailed position. Um, I want to see him go back, fine-tune some of those details, uh, and be a, 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 a re- help reach his potential so he could be a top pick next year. Um, but we'll have to see. If he does come out, that he's going to be a really interesting wild card on the draft. Um, all right. Interesting there. Um, and like you said, we, we don't know quite know who's going to be in this class or not. Um, but you obviously have ears to the ground and you talk to people and you have a feel for these things. Mm-hmm. So at this point right now, we've heard some of these names, but when you look at the top, h- how many guys do you think realistically at this point, would you deem as, you know, first round picks? And then, and again, last year, people were going to would have said, you know, Malik Willis or Sam Howell, and obviously things change. So we all get that things, we're not going to hold you to it. But best guess right now, how many guys do you think are sort of first round likely? And then who's the top? How do you kind of grade the, you know, the the handful of guys at the top? Yeah, well, I think you start with uh, Bryce Young, in my opinion. I I think he's the best quarterback in this just uh, draft class. Uh, it, It just, it comes down to size. He is a complete outlier when it comes to size, um, you know, he's going to be under 5'11", and he's going to be under 200 pounds. We have never seen a quarterback that size 
uh, in as a first round pick, as a top 10 pick. It just, it does not happen. Um, and, you know, they're the last 25 years there have been over 300 quarterbacks drafted. Only two of them were under 5'11 and under 200 pounds. So this is a complete outlier uh, that we're talking about here with Bryce Young. But you know what? He's he, he's his poise, his processing, um, his presence. Um, it, it's just it's it's uh, really really impressive. Uh, he's so instinctive with his ability to find those second chance plays. Um, you know, he, he's just has a natural instinct to him. Uh, his vision is outstanding. He just has a, a knack for understanding everything going on around him. So he can buy those extra half seconds, make those throws. Placement is a really strong point of his. Um, and, and so I just, I, Bryce Young, I, I'm going to, I'm going to bet on him and say, you know what? Yeah. He's an outlier in terms of size. Does it worry me? Absolutely. Uh, he, I, I do think he needs to do a better job taking care of himself. He's he's almost too willing to welcome the chaos and you know and let things break down because that this is how he thrives. When things break down and he has to move the pocket or extend and buy time, he that's when he's in his element. That's that's when he's really uh, special. But he needs to take care of his body a little bit more because it's just not he doesn't have the body armor that you look for at the position. But nonetheless, I'm still going to bet on him because he he checks so many of the other boxes that you're looking for at the position. Um, and then after Bryce Young, I think it's okay. You figure out who's next between C.J. Stroud uh, from Ohio State and Will Levis. I think those are the three first round uh, quarterbacks this year. And I, I know a lot of people are going to be down on Will Levis because. Uh, you know, the, the stats don't look necessarily uh, great. Um, you know, he's <clears throat> still a work in progress in a lot of ways, but you know what, he's the prototype with a lot of different things. And I, I think that some of the struggles that we're seeing this year, and I mentioned this kind of earlier, but talking about how quarterbacks dependent position, um, well, okay. He lost his offensive coordinator, uh, to the Rams. Liam Cohen uh, became the play caller for the Rams. Uh, that's, and you know, who they hire, Rick Scandrello is an NFL guy and, you know, they're running a lot of similar things, but the offense just does not look the same. Uh, you know, he lost Wandale Robinson into the second round of the draft and, you know, he's missing his, uh, go-to target from last year, big time, the offensive line, they had, uh, a lot of changeover and that's really been an issue this year. So there's been a lot of things that have been contributing to him being up and down this year. That's not, when you talk about quarterbacks, you have to distinguish, uh reasons from excuses you know it's easy to excuse away a lot of these things but everything i just said i I think are reasons they're not excuses you know they're again quarterback is dependent on a lot of things going on around you and he's done plenty of good things um and it's important to remember that teams don't draft production they don't draft what you've done uh in the past they draft traits they draft what you think they're you're going to do what you're going to grow into and so um, with Will Levis, he, he does worry me a little bit just because I, I think I, I want to see him play quicker, um, you know, in terms of anticipating some of those windows, getting the ball up and out. Um, you know, he just he needs to play a little bit quicker. And that's something that that does worry me. But the toughness factor, the 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 physical skills are great. I mean, he's built well. He's an outstanding athlete, a big time arm. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going for him. Um, it just, there's a few other, the little things that he needs to work on before, you know, he's going to make it to that next level, but will Levis will be the top quarterback in this draft for several teams. I promise you that. Um, and then with CJ Stroud, uh, you know, it's, uh, he's, he's probably the most natural, uh, thrower among this group. Um, you know, he's a really good feel for, uh, layering throws, anticipating throws, um, he, he can, uh, he's not a bad athlete by any means. He's actually a pretty good athlete. He just doesn't use his mobility very much. And to me, that's my biggest worry with Stroud is he's not a very creative uh, athlete, creative quarterback. And in the NFL, we know, you know, you can't just be a pocket passer. Things fall apart. Things break down. And you have to be able to uh, have a plan B. And C.J. Stroud doesn't always have that plan B. And that's that's what worries me about him. Uh, where, you know, with Bryce Young, that he almost welcomes plan B, C, and D because, you know, that's that's when he can really uh, make things happen. So I think all three of these guys are going to be first-round players, um, and there won't be a consensus. Uh, some will have Bryce Young first. Others won't be able to get over the size. Others will have C.J. Stroud first. Uh, others, they're not interested. Um, and, and 
I, I, I'm already, I'm, I, we've already heard it, but I'm dreading the Ohio state, another Ohio state quarterback <laughs> Yeah, uh, sure. the thing it's, I mean, look past the decal on the helmet. I mean, it's just, it, 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 and maybe because Justin Fields is playing better now, uh, we won't hear it as much. I don't know, but you know, it, what Dwayne Haskins was asked to do is very different than what Justin Fields was asked to do is very different than what CJ Stroud is being asked to do in that Ohio state offense. So, um, and, and then, I mean, people, well, when's the last time Ohio state had a, you know, NFL. So, you know, because, Ohio State didn't develop a quarterback in the late 90s. That that should have any effect on what you think of C.J. Stroud. That's that, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, I just doesn't make any sense. Uh, now, you know, it's and if you strictly thought like that, then you know you never would have drafted Patrick Mahomes because you know when's the last time Texas Tech uh, in that air raid offense produced a you know a, a quarterback uh, in the NFL? So you know, it's just look past the helmet. Focus on the player. Now, if you want to talk about the fact that he has an all-star cast around him, that's fair. That's fair criticism. You know, it's it's something that uh, you have to factor in. Um, you know, it's he, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best receiver in college football. Uh, you know, he Ibuka and, and Julian Fleming are really good players. Cade Stover is a really good player. I think uh, their left tackle and right tackle are the best tackle tandem in college football, which certainly helps. So uh, does he have things around him that help him be a successful quarterback? There's no doubt. But you have to break down his traits, um, isolate them, and build them back up to really, you know, try to understand – what he is as a quarterback and what he's going to be at the next level. And that's, that's not always easy. That's, that's all why quarterback is such a, you know, tough position to evaluate. Um, Great. I great insight. I appreciate that. L- let me ask you one last quasi quarterback questions and I'll move on to other stuff so you can get back to get, get back to your life. Uh, typically if a team needs a quarterback, like the Texans or the ha- currently would have the number one pick, I think there's a reason to think they could use a quarterback. Typically, you know, a mock draft would say that they will take one. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, there's some some questions about some of these guys, Bryce Young, his size and so on. And also, sometimes there are players at other positions that you just can't deny that uh, we won't use the term generational talent or whatever. But some guys are just like, you (laughs) can't, how are you passing on player X? Is there a player or two in this draft that just you look to you to be so fascinating as a prospect that even if a team like Houston perhaps not to say them specifically but just a team that needs a quarterback might say yeah mm-hmm. there's enough questions at these quarterbacks let's take this guy because we just think he's like you know kind of a canvas kind of guy yeah certainly and I think yeah if you're not head over heels in love with one of these quarterbacks you don't draft one um especially because I think next year's quarterback class is going to be better um, and, and look, I understand that's cliche to, to say, um, you know, it, it's to it, it, next year's quarterback class is always going to be better. Right? I, we you hear that every year. Um, but I 100% believe it was true last year. And I 100% believe it's true this year. And, you know, with next year, Drake May from North Carolina, uh, Caleb Williams from USC. Um, we'll see if Anthony Richardson goes back. We'll see how Quinn Ewers develops. Uh, there's a couple other guys on the radar. Um so, yeah, if you're the Texans or one of these other teams picking top five and you're not head over heels in love, uh, you're going to be, uh, you know, you, you should go with, uh, you know, a, a Will Anderson from Alabama, who's uh, an outstanding pass rusher um, and actually an even better run defender. Um, now, is he in the Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, Nick Nick, uh, Joey Bosa conversation um, based off his junior or his sophomore tape. Absolutely. Now this year's tape has not been as strong. And the biggest worry I have is just the missed tackles. Miss it, you. It, it, one of the most important things as an edge rusher is you have to be a finisher. It, it, it's great that you have speed to win off the edge. It's great. You have power in your hands. It's great. You can be disruptive. If you can't finish, then you're just not quite as effective as you could be. And so Will Anderson needs to be a better finisher. Uh, but nonetheless, he has the talent to be a top three pick and be in the conversation for that number one overall pick. And then the other players, George is Jalen Carter, defensive tackle. Um, you know, a guy that can create that interior disruption, his body control, his upper body strength. Um, he's just, he, he's built a little bit different. And so Jalen Carter, I think absolutely will be the number one overall player in this draft for several teams. It would not be a shock if he ends up going that high. Okay. Awesome. Um, uh, 
hopefully we'll have we'll have a chance to talk to you when we get much closer to the draft. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll uh, hold off on some of my Washington specific questions, and plus we won't know exactly what their roster will look like until we get to free agency as, as well. But I do want to ask you about the offensive line. To me, I could I could see Washington only keeping their current left tackle in their current spot. That they could have new uh, a new center, new guards could move Sam Cosby from tackle to guard. What's your just view of the offensive line uh, group overall at tackle, guard, and center? And is there anybody in the first round that really kind of uh, stands out to you? Yeah, you know, I was uh, coming into this year thinking tackle was going to be a, a weak spot in this class. But as the season has gone on, uh, it has, I think, really developed into being a, uh, you know, a, a, an average to an above average class. And part of that is the emergence of Olu Fashanu uh, uh, from Penn State, who uh, I, in my top 50 that came out two weeks ago, he was number five overall. I'm, 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 I'm a big fan of what he has shown. Now he's, he only has like I think nine starts to his name. So the body of work isn't necessarily there, but uh, what he's done and he's only 19 years old, but uh, for a guy that's six six three twenty, with his body control, um, it, his play strength, the core strength, it's just so impressive. So I'm going to bet on him. Um, Paris Johnson at Ohio state left tackle is a really good player. His inconsistencies are more, experience-based or inexperienced uh, rather than um, things that are talent issues. And so his issues are all fixable. Um, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, uh, a really good left tackle from Northwestern who is going to be dinged because of his shorter arms. Um, You know, he's got under 33 inch arms, probably under 32 and a half inch arms. And for a lot of teams, that's just, that's a deal breaker in terms of playing tackle. So he'll be a guard on a lot of boards. Uh, but regardless, whether he's going to get, gets a chance at tackle or he's going to be moved to guard, uh, could even play some center. Uh, he's going to be a long time NFL pro. He's a really good player because he's so smart. His hands are outstanding. That's he's a technician. Um, there's just, there's a lot of things going for, uh, for him. So um, I, th- those three players right there uh, all belong somewhere in the top 20 picks. And then I think it's a pretty solid group on day two, you know, guys like Cody Mock from North Dakota state, uh, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. Um, I like Jordan Morgan a lot from Arizona. Um, Jalen Duncan from Maryland is a, a really athletic player um, who, who's got some upside. So, um, you know, and those are the tackles on the interior. I don't think it's as, deep of a group we could see maybe one first rounder uh osiris torrance from florida is a really good player um uh, but then there are some players you know day two day three that could be could be in the mix um you know but overall i don't i don't think the interior class this year is necessarily going to get you excited there are a few players that are good but um i wouldn't call the interior offensive line a strength to this draft um this is why we bring dane on he knows everybody who does everything even guys at shepherd college um, but you have to look at hundreds of players all the time. I'm sure there are times like, oh, my God, I got to look at this guy again. This is terrible. But I'm sure there's some guys you're like, oh, my, I can't wait to go back and look at this guy. Who, last question. Who's like one guy, maybe especially on defense, because I haven't asked you that uh, much, that you just just for fun. I don't care if you're the first round pick or an undrafted free agent pr- projection that you just I just like turning this guy on. It makes me happy to watch him play football. Yeah, well, I'll give you one on offense, one on defense. On, on offense, I'd say Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Alabama. Um, he's he's so much fun. His, his ability uh, to, you know, he understands football geometry uh, at the line of scrimmage. You know, he's so good with his feet, and his eyes and his feet are tied together at all times. And he's so electric. Uh, he moves just differently than everybody else. And so Jameer Gibbs has a chance to be a first-round pick uh, because of that. Uh, and, and then uh, on defense, I'm a big fan of Christian Gonzalez, a corner uh, out of Oregon, uh, a, a, a big player, a 6'2", 200 pounds, really long. Um, I, to me, he is a, in a lot of ways, the ideal man-to-man uh, cornerback prospect. Uh, he's got speed. Uh, you know, you, you see, uh, it, it, I think his ball skills have been getting better. Uh, that was kind of the question on him is, could he find the football? Could he make plays in the football? And then the last month, he's done a much better job of that as he's gotten his opportunities. So uh, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, he was uh, really high in my top 50 over the summer. Um, and then uh, he's still top 15 for me in my top 50 now. And I think a lot of people are, are sleeping on him.
uh dane you rock i really appreciate it man anything you want people to know about what you, you've got coming up or anything that's out there already that uh, people should keep an eye on not well my first mock draft's coming up here in uh you know a week or two and so people could be on the lookout for that and uh no, it's, uh, you know, we're getting to the point where the season's almost over and we're getting into quote unquote draft season when, you know, all-star games and combine and things like that. So we've got a plenty of, plenty of fun stuff planned. So uh, hopefully people come along with us for the ride. Absolutely. And the athletic is really beefed up. Um, Dane was a one man wrecking crew already, but we've added a lot more pieces to help uh, take it to even another level. Uh, my guy really appreciate it. I know you were playing a little hurt today. So I really appreciate that and indulging me. Uh, We'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks, Ben.